Welcome back to the LeaderLink Podcast. This is Charles. And I'm Josh. And right now, I wish I had another cup of coffee because the topic that we're talking about is going to take a long time. <laughs> Actually, it's going to be a quick episode. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we're talking about succession planning. Yeah, no, it's not a quick process, is it? I mean, we're in our late 30s. Oh my gosh. You're closer to 40 than I am. I am. But. So this is probably not something we're going to have to necessarily quote-unquote worry about uh, for for some time at this point. But it is a big deal in our world, and especially when we look at our uh, demographics with the boomer generation really, honestly, at this point, finally reaching their retirement age. And although some of them have kept on pushing because of financial ramifications and all that kind of thing, we really are reaching the point where even the youngest boomers are beginning to reach real retirement age and step off the scene. The Gen Xers are such a small generation demographically from a population standpoint that there's some Gen Xers who are going to step in these leadership positions, but they're not going to be there probably as long. And then you've got us as millennials. So our reality of taking those positions is coming sooner than we think. And so being part of this and thinking through it as we, you know, as people who probably will be in those shoes soon, it's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're speaking to the next generation of leaders. That's, that's just the reality. Uh, I I would imagine the majority of people who are listening uh, probably envision themselves as being in in that future generation of leaders. And so we actually talked about in, in the last season season three, I can't remember which episode, but we talked about the idea of developing a leadership pipeline. And this is a different conversation because your pipeline is going to be something where you're always looking to have people ready to go in the shoot, prepared for more advanced leadership roles. I would say leadership, leadership pipeline is about scaling. Yeah. Succession planning is about sustainability. Yeah. And, and, and so in, in the succession plan, I think, it's even more important than in the pipeline to identify the critical people who will take on certain roles. Right. And I kind of want to, when we started introducing this topic, I've, I've one of the books I've read in the recent history is my born you, Josh. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I over there yawning. Yeah. <laughs> one of the books I read recently is uh, 48 laws of power by Robert green. And uh, law of 41, I believe, is avoid stepping into a great man's shoes. And and the idea behind that law is if you take in, if you take a important role, in this case, a leadership role in a, in a senior level, and you following somebody who has really led a company well, some sort of organization well, the people in that organization are always going to be comparing you. Sure. Always. We, as human beings, we naturally want to make comparisons. Are you better? Are you worse? Are right. you just as good? Because you're definitely going to be different. Yeah. And um, in, in certain cases. So I think about S- Steve Jobs and Tim Cook, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, Tim's probably, I mean, he, he is where he is because he's a very competent, capable leader, but Apple is not what it was when Steve Jobs was leading. It's not, revolutionizing anything anymore so that's he he took over a great man's shoes and that's been hard for him and for the company right 
Yeah. And, but that's a, that's a, a definite reality. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what the succession plan looked like yeah, I don't either. in, in that situation. But the, the point is, is that uh, somebody will take that position, right? In, in, in any organization, the, the person leading it, well, I guess if the company dissolves and that's not a problem, but you know, yeah. ideally if you want to continue the company or the organization, somebody will lead it. Yeah. And so I think what we're thinking is that it's the responsibility of senior leadership before that person leaves to set that person up for success, which, you know, is in the definition of succession planning, essentially. Yeah. I mean, there's something that's actually studied in transitions like this succession planning called founder syndrome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially a well founder by definition means this is the person who started the organization who has then transitioned out or you know by some it could have been an immediate thing or it could have been well planned but no matter what if the founder moves out of the lead position and a new person takes over there's always going to be some great challenges for the next person coming in because founders establish DNA and DNA goes deep right yeah I mean we- talk about the word vision a lot and you know the the founder has a vision for the company they've built the company on that vision ideally they would probably like to see the company continue in that vision yeah and so do you do you select somebody who you want to continue in your vision do you select somebody who maybe is coming in with a fresh perspective and is willing to innovate a little bit right. uh, because yeah. We know that if an organization gets stale uh, and and innovation doesn't happen, then it puts yeah. that organization at risk. Right. Yeah. yeah but but it, but innovation can also put people at risk because if you've got a product that people like and you over innovate it, then people don't buy that product. Right. I think that 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 probably happens. I think more often than the stagnation. Honestly, from what I've seen, is that you have a new leader coming in, whether the transition was done well or not. Um, and you've got a person who begins to innovate and the changing of the product, the culture of the organization, all of those things lead to more problems, I think, than the stagnation. Uh, but I've, I've only seen this in, in a few places, right? Well, I, I think at minimum, you, you have to have that question of, do you look at, you have to understand where you are yeah. and where you want to be. Right. And I think, allowing the organization to stay in one place and not looking at potential directions, possibilities can be dangerous for organizations. Uh, But, but that's a conversation that the the founder in this case would need to have with whoever is succeeding. Yeah. I mean, I think, and as we talk about succession planning, obviously one of the reasons we're bringing this up is because we've seen bad transitions and we've seen good transitions, right? There's most of the time the bad transitions are either unprepared for or ill-prepared, right? Um, Whereas good transitions are, they're well thought out, they're, they're timelined, they're executed well. I think about, so the church that I serve at was planted at this point, almost 35 years ago by a guy uh, and he was the pastor uh, of the church for 27 years. Uh, but about year 25, he, he was you know in his later 60s at this time. He said, you know what? I've still got energy. I've still got steam. I'm, I'm still good for this. But 
the community is changing, the demographic is changing, and I just don't have necessarily the 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 influence over the younger generation that I once had. It's probably time for me to think about bringing a younger guy in who can connect with that growing population. So he brought that to the to the board. They discussed, they talked through it, they began planning, they began searching, and over time, I think it was about a almost a three year process of like. From not just the interviewing and finding a guy, but the discussions, the conversations, ultimately it came to a transition point, um, and they hired a new pastor, and because the former pastor, the founder, knew his influence over the church, he said, I love you guys, I'm entrusting this church to this next guy, and he left, because he knew if he stayed, it would cause conflict, because people would inevitably continue to go to him as pastor and not see the new guy. It was done beautifully. Again, were there a few people who left because of the changes that were affected by the new guy? Yes. But overall, our the church grew stronger in that transition process, not weaker. Um, so that was a beautifully done transition. Right? Um, other guys I've seen, uh, they hold on to influence and position as long as they possibly can. And again, one of the things that, I, that we talked about before we started recording this episode was I want to, my initial gut reaction is, how dare you hold on to power, right? How dare you hold on to this when you know you need to give it up? Um, but I think it's good for us to sympathize with these guys and gals. Um, sometimes the reasons are not as malicious as we think they are, right? Sometimes it could be a, a serious like financial thing, or if I retire, I lose my insurance, or if I move off, I you know I can't afford to pay for my house because I don't have anything. Um, put away or whatever it might be. Now, again, or it's just like, that's my identity and I need to, I need somebody to help me process through it. Like, yeah. Is it, so, is it a financial reason? Right. Is it uh, some sort of actual need like that? Or, or is it that person trying to hold on to power, right. trying to, trying to make sure that, yes, I've se- selected you to carry on the mission, yeah. but well, here's actually the, Oh no, you're doing it wrong. Right. Right. No, you know, if you're, if you're trying to hold on that way, I I actually don't know that I, that I would have handled the transition at the church that way. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think staying on in a certain capacity uh, is not necessarily always terrible. I don't think it's always a bad idea. It's not always a bad idea. I I think if, if you're in the background and you're serving as a mentor to that person who's taking over, uh, you know, maybe you're not you're not present on a daily basis. You're not sure. And, and I think the key with that is you're not accessible necessarily to. I shouldn't I shouldn't select want somebody to be my successor, but still be the person that everyone goes to for advice. Right. Correct. The successor needs to be the one who people go to now. However, that successor, I like the idea of them still having access to sure. the former leader. Yeah, and I think that that our former pastor did that, uh, and still does. He's he's definitely. Um, he he doesn't he comes around every now and again to see us, but we we reach out to him and talk to him frequently because he's got the institutional history as well. Like yeah. he, he's been there since the day one, so he knows. Hey, this family, this family, or this happened at this event, uh, and so he's very much accessible. But he knew because his personality type is just gigantic, right? He is larger than life. He's dynamic. He's you know one of those guys that you know, as soon as he talks to you, you're his best friend. He may not remember your name the next time he sees you, but you don't care. You'll get over that because he's just that engaging. Whereas our new pastor, 
is is not that right. He's he's very personable, but he's not as you know he's not as gregarious. Let me put it that way. He's not as over the top, flamboyant type. Um, and so, I think our former pastor knew that if you put the two of them next to each other, even if it's not from the stage, but just kind of in the church, that people would gravitate towards the former pastor. And he said, you know what, I'm not going to set this guy up for failure for people coming to me instead of going to him. I'm going to give him the reins here, and I'll be there if he needs help. But he had to. He knew he had to get out, otherwise he would still be the senior pastor. It would just be a new guy preaching, basically. Right? Yeah, and and so, I, okay, so we're saying kind of the same thing. I, I think having that accessibility yeah. as, as a, as a yeah. mentor, right. a guide... I you don't just walk phrase. out the door, chunk the deuce, and be like, "Don't you know? I'm changing my phone number. Yeah. I'm, I'm moving to the wilderness of Montana. Nobody's going to talk to me ever again." Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, and I, I guess I was a little unclear sure. when you, that but, makes sense, yeah. but that institutional knowledge right. is is very important yeah. for for good succession. And uh, you know, the kind of going back on that concept you were talking about the do we do we have sympathy or or empathy for the people who are are leaving? Um, you know, this is a very this is likely a very tough time in their life mm-hmm. uh, and it may not have anything to do with insurance or money or anything like that. It, it, it may just be that giving up something that they were so dedicated to for so long, hundred percent. Yeah. That life transition is very tough. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I don't know what that's like. No, you know, I gave yeah. up, I gave up an 11 year career in law enforcement Um it wasn't my organization. Right. You know, it wasn't like I didn't found it. Uh, but, you know, let's say 25, 30, 40 years from now, JNC Leadership Consulting or whatever we call it right. then, is, is you know, still doing great. But I know that I'm going to have to step back yeah. a little bit. You know, I can't I can't imagine what that'll be right. like. So so I, yeah. I think I think it's a great point to have to to show yeah. respect for the right. the people in those positions for sure. And that's why I think even for us as as millennials probably being the next generation of of organizational leaders like actually at the top of organizations. Not everybody will make that um right to to that level. But starting to think about succession today. That's 30 years in the future, right at a minimum. Yeah. Well, maybe at a minimum, it just depends on how things go, right? Um but but that's that's for us 25, 35 years in the future. But I promise you, thinking about it today, we'll, we'll have pay massive dividends tomorrow, right? Because of the fact that you're preparing yourself already. That I think, you know, it's not financial. It's not, um, it sometimes it is, but it's not always physical material needs. A lot of times, and as you said, it, it's that we build our identity around what we're doing. Yeah. Like this is, I, I, if you're a founder, you... You took this from nothing, like JNC Leadership Consulting. You took this from nothing. It was you and me, and really just you going. What can I give? What can I offer the world? And starting to build on that. Well, thirty years from now, you've made this into a company that's making money and hot, you know doing great things. That's that's your identity. It's like a child, right? I mean, you're sending your child off to college. Really, at that point, you're <laughs> you're putting them into the real world. They're getting married. Uh, somebody. It, it would be like. You know, I can I can be personal with this, right? My, my six year old daughter right now, in what fifteen twenty years or so, maybe will be graduating from college, getting married. I'm giving her to someone else. That's the way it works, right? That's she's my girl, right? I was the first person in the world other than the doctor to hold her, right? Mm. She's been with me 
so just imagine that, right? If you, if you have a if you have a family is giving your your daughter or son away like that. Um, but yeah, the, the identity is wrapped around it. So for us to begin today as as the next generation of leaders, going one day I'm gonna have to do this, and you don't have to think about this every day. But I think on a regular basis, just reminding yourself that, that this is not I may I may build this, but this is not mine, right? This is this is for the good of others ultimately. And if you can if you can get yourself in that mindset of this, I, JNC Leadership Consulting, you didn't do this because you're like, you know what, I want to make a ton of money. You know, you're, obviously we hope for that, but you did this because you're like, I have an uh, I have something to offer to people that's going to be for their benefit and for the benefit of those around them. Right? Yeah. And that's how I think most founders need to, or organizational leaders should think about their companies or organizations is this is about the betterment of those around me or those with me, uh, both, right? Um, that's the beauty of capitalism in so many ways. It's, you know, it's like Winston Churchill said of democracy. Democracy is the, the worst form of government except for every other form. Right? <laughs> I think capitalism the same way. Capitalism is the worst economic system <laughs> available except for every other one because – what capitalism essentially says, free markets and this, you know, and I'm not getting too detailed. I'm not an economist, but um, the way it should work is that we provide a service, a product, a good for the community. And then because of that, we're able to hire other people who can then provide goods and services for the community. And it's supposed to kind of be a, a mutually beneficial system in which everybody gets to participate. And not at the same level, but everybody gets to participate. Um and so I think that's as we think about succession planning, like that's one of those things is you know this is this might be my identity, but I can't let it be the core of who I am. I've got to know that I'm more than just the organizational leader here, right? Yeah, and I, I like that how you how you put it back on the terms of the service of others, uh, because if if I were to you know hypothetically just think in twenty five thirty whatever how many years from now. Oh, I've, I've, I've built this business and, 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 and yes, it's served a lot of people and and it's helped a lot of people, but uh, now I'm, now I'm hesitant to relinquish that because I still want power control or, you know, whatever the case is. Yet I know that if I don't relinquish it, it won't be able to continue to serve. Yes. As, as successfully as it has been. So, uh, you know, it's like, it's like. Gollum with the ring, right? I don't have any idea what you're talking about. I know you've never seen Lord of the Rings, and this is devastating to me. Yeah, yeah it's but there's a there's a character in Lord of the Rings named Gollum, right? Who he finds the ring initially before Bilbo steals it from him, anyways. But he always calls it my precious. Gives it to us, sobbits, right? Um, he's obsessed with the ring, and he doesn't want to let it go. And in fact, that's what leads to the climactic ending of the whole series. But oh. um, so you just give it away. If you haven't seen Lord of the Rings yet, you don't. You're not courageous. You're, you're not courageous. Yeah, that's what it comes down oh, to. Geez, yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, I haven't seen it, so you haven't uh, read the books, have you? No, man, that's devastating. I read a lot, but I haven't read that. I, I would, you know, for for the average person, I would probably recommend the movies over the books. The books are fantastic. They're classics of English literature, but. They're different. They're not the, you know, normal type of reading that we do today. So, yeah. All right. Well, back on to succession planning. <laughs> let's, let's wrap this up. Uh, this is really more of an introductory episode on, on more of the, the why and not necessarily the how. Yeah. 
but but this was a the fun idea we had, and uh, we'll definitely address it in future episodes. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Leader Link Podcast. If you like what you heard, leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we want to know what you want to hear about when it comes to leadership. You can leave us a comment or send an email to info at jcleadershipconsulting.com. And we'll see you next time.